Hello and welcome back to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and culture podcast. Um, I really hope everyone had a lovely, relaxing month off from Tottenham because things are about to get real and I'm already quite stressed out because we didn't even have the luxury of one, not one game, not one game without us having to ask Tottenham, why are you like this? But before we get into like the deep chaos of Brentford, I just want to say it's so brilliant to have Billy and Tom back with me today and in the sort of mania of having the league back and having to deal with Tottenham, there is one man that we can all rely on and that man is Harry Edward Kane. And I feel like before we do anything else, we should take a few moments to lift up our guy. He had not, he had a good tournament and then heartbreak but he's our man he was amazing we love him and we will love and cherish him forever right bill yeah man look this is the fight i think the commentator said it on saturday or whenever it was boxing day whenever that was you know all day sort of merge into one um this is like the first time in his career where he's ever had any like personal he's been down like this he's never had like he's never missed a penalty like this um, he's never had any kind of game like this where it's like all come down to him and he's messed it up. He's there's a couple of like you know like the no shows and things, but this is the first time in his career he's ever had this kind of adversity. So we've got to lift this guy up, man. He's been doing it for us for the last six, seven years. So it's our time to really back him. Um, I heard the fans were really like decent towards him because wherever he goes now for the rest of the season, he's going to get booze. That's just a fact. That's the game. The game is a game. Um, so we've got to stand by our man. Um, and yeah, and he, he scored again, like he always does. And I think what really I thought was really good about it is that again, that Brentford was the only team left that he's never scored against in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, now is our time. Stand by your guy, show him what it means to be Tottenham, and then hopefully he'll stick by us forever. Um, but this is really our time now to stick by our guy. Yeah, and just like show him exactly what he means to us and that header as well um talking to ollie about it afterwards and he was saying that was almost like the quality of that north london derby goal you know way back in like poch season one with the ben Taleb cross into him right that sort of quality of just right man right time beautiful ball but just like a beautiful beautiful goal yeah, I saw I saw someone on Twitter that did like this video compilation. There's like three or four headers that are all pretty much the same, and it's um it's one of those classic Harry Kane things where he does it so often that it becomes underrated, um and it just makes it like the ridiculous things look normal. Um, but I think one of my main points is about Kane is when it's going really well with Kane, we don't sing his name enough. So now it's not going well for him. Like he'll be seriously hurting from this. No, make no doubt about it. It's a huge deal for him as it would be for any player particularly a club captain of his um, stature for the national team. We know how much it means to him to play for England. We know how much big that game was. Um, <clears throat> we don't sing his name in the good time. We have to start like really showing now for the ne- rest of the season. Starting with the Villa game, we've got to be singing his name like the whole time, pretty much. Like This guy is someone who has like, carried us for six or seven years, and he's, his name is barely even sung. I guess I like, mentioned a couple of times when he scores. It's never during the match, like random points. It's always just after he scored. We've really got to stick behind him, get singing that song for him. There were a few um, interesting things to note, I think, weren't there? Like, it was interesting looking around the league at which World Cup players came straight back in. Um, and there were a few notable absences in, in other teams. Conte, before the game, had kind of, I think it was a bluff, but he'd he'd said, hadn't he, um, I might rest everyone, all the sort of World Cup players, which I think immediately, certainly Spurs fans knew was was a bluff, and uh, everyone was obviously straight straight back in. Um, I, the commentator as well, you mentioned the commentator, I think he said something like, the longer it goes on, the more it will become a kind of monkey on his shoulder or something. That like the thing is like the bad times lasted for forty five minutes because he he scored immediately thirteen and sixteen in the league now. If it wasn't for that freak Harland, who as we speak has just scored two against Leeds, um, people would be talking about Kane loads more. And I think Billy as well, just like you said. The heading, his head, that header was ridiculous. And it is a really underrated um, aspect of his game, I guess, just because 
because he has it all. And yeah, when I was watching the Amazon Prime coverage, you could very clearly hear the Brentford fans singing "You Let Your Country Down," it, 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 which is an awful chant anyway. I don't think I've ever sung it. It's horrible. Um, but if every set of opposing fans sings that this season, uh, and he will probably score against most of them, then I'm fine with it. Like he's on a he's on a ridiculous run, and um, I'm excited for him to continue it, particularly against Arsenal in about two weeks. But you know what? Like I'm, I'm not fine with it. Like my God, I just, I just find it absolutely indecent. And I know there are loads of people who will just be like, "That's just football. That's just how it is. That's football fans, whatever." And I just honestly, I'll never, like, I'll never get over it. We've talked about this before on this podcast about like the lack of love, the lack of respect for Kane, and I, I just think I'll like, I'll definitely go to my grave just being like, "What's wrong with everybody?" Um, but also specifically when I think about the Euros and I feel like I know it was a friendly and stuff, but we cheered Saka when he came onto the pitch. And maybe there are people who's, you know, who then later on in the season sang you let your country down or whatever. But I just like I'm not in favour of that ever. And I just think the audacity, man to just come for Kane like that when he's done more. He's like, is he now like England's record goal score? I feel like I should have checked that before coming yeah, he's, he's, Equal, he's, No, he equaled he's, it, right? Because yeah, that was, on, oh yeah. God, okay, no, this is too painful. Let's just move on past that. But anyway, he's done He's done it in like, you know, fewer games, faster times, whatever. Um, Honestly, he will score against all of you, one, and two, how dare you even think that you can say these things about him? And Billy, you're right. We need to sing his name. We need to sing it all the time. Um, I'm really gutted that I'm not going on New Year's Day, but you guys are right. Oh, no, you're not, are you, Tom? But anyway, but there will be many, many people there who will be singing his name. And you're right. We just got to show him love for the full 90 minutes. There is like a sick part of me, though, which is like now it kind of like, I think this is kind of like going to wed him to us a bit more. As, you know, there was sort of all the... All the the talk, you know, a year ago, and with the Man City transfer and all this stuff. Now, like, I think the fact that every single other fan base in the country is going to hate him, and that we're going to stick by him through this period, I think like a sick part of me feels like that's quite Tottenham. And now it's like this is our chance to really show what we mean to him and he means to us. So I, I don't know. I think like the positive side of it will be, I do think in a weird like twisted way, it's probably ended up with more chance that he'll retire here. Um, but I just also really hope that he's going to kind of like get this monkey off his back and like carry us to like an FA Cup or something like that because um, no one's going to be wanting to prove everyone wrong more than him himself. So I think this could work in a twisted way for us. Yeah, I'll take that. Why not? And also, you're talking about the players that came back from the World Cup and just kind of went straight to work. And he was obviously one of those because he's just like a proper responsible grown-up. One of the other ones was Ivan Perisic, who I honestly, like I didn't expect to see him at all. I was absolutely shocked to see him start and to see him play like the full 90 minutes. But he, aside from Kane, he was our best player, right? I think when I was talking about looking around the league at which World Cup stars came back, I think I'm right in saying... Um, Hakimi, uh, sorry, Ziyech and Kovacic just weren't in the squad for um, Chelsea at all. Um, and yet Perisic, who played, I think, more minutes than literally anyone at the World Cup, uh, was straight back in, played the entire game, was is 33 and was the hardest working player on the pitch. He just didn't didn't stop. Um, so yeah, good on him. He was even like first half, we were obviously pretty terrible, but he was the sort of one bright spot and just didn't stop running the entire afternoon. And he's just a grown up, like so good to have someone so experienced and mature in the, in the starting 11 and yeah, just sets an example by working harder than anyone. And I think if you look at like what it means to be a true football great, like like Perisic is someone who's won the Champions League. He has 
carried his nation um, along with you know a few other really fantastic Croatia players to a World Cup final, a tiny nation of what is it you know re- very small relative population, um, then to a World Cup semi final. They won the what they won became third this year, um, and he is their highest ever goal contributor in World Cups. Um, he's won multiple leagues. Like what it means to be a true great, and this is when you see it rub off on. Hopefully, will rub off on other players. But it's like small things like this. They shouldn't really be that amazing. That he's just turned up to a job where he gets paid hundred thousand pounds early. But it is amazing because not everyone does it. And I think that's the difference between becoming like a you know a great football player, a talented football player, and being remembered as a true great, which Perisic will be no doubt. So I just think it's reminded everyone of why we're so lucky to have this guy, um, and that it's just like a, a privilege to have someone like that playing for Tottenham because the World Cup showed again he is a, he will be remembered as a true great of the game. So yeah, I just feel like we're really lucky to have him really. And honestly, like towards the end on a boxing day I actually like I genuinely believed we were going to score a winner off one of his corners I was just like it's, it's going to happen and it came really really close right I think I don't you know we probably if I'm looking at it as a neutral I guess we didn't exactly like deserve to win because we were just so idiotic in the first half but on the sort of balance of kind of power I suppose in in the second half, like we could have done it, right? We could have snatched it right at the end and it wouldn't have been kind of unjust, I don't think. Yeah, word, uh, like a word for Kulu because I was just, I watched the whole game on Boxing Day, but I just watched back the highlights and the kind of work that he put in for that Son shot right at the end was was brilliant. Um, And we just obviously, in a few weeks, we should have Richarlison back, but just no one threads everything together like Kulu does. It is also worth saying, though, that Tony had an incredible chance right at the end as well, and and so Brentford could have nicked it. And, you know, when we're looking at frustrations about that game, we, everyone knows what Tony can do. He's had a brilliant season, and he had a brilliant season last season. He's not an unknown quantity, and we should have been marking him at various points rather than him just being given this free free role but yeah like that last sort of 10 20 minutes we totally could and should have nicked it but again it's you know yet again why didn't we start the way we played in the in the second half I mean, yeah, I'd forgotten about that Tony chance, actually. I'd obviously just gone, oh, I'd, uh, it scared me at the time and I just don't need to think about it anymore. <laughs> so it just didn't happen. Um, I, you know, obviously there is a thing about we know what Tony could do and we should have been paying more attention. But also you just can't legislate for just Eric Dyer mistakes at this point in time. Or maybe, to be honest, they've happened so often, maybe we can legislate for them now. <laughs> It was just really, uh, it's really unfortunate in a way, isn't it? Because I feel like actually Dyer had the kind of worst of both worlds. He went to the World Cup, but he didn't play. So he didn't get any kind of match fitness, basically. But also, he, but because he went, he didn't get to stay and have like a Conte boot camp either. So it's just like he had kind of a month off and it really showed, basically, didn't it? And I think it's it's really unfortunate. I don't I don't really know what's gone wrong because um it seems to almost be since they got called up back into the England squad. Um it's just like it's it's becoming like a really regular occurrence that he's not just making errors, but errors that are leading to goals. If you remember the Liverpool match, which is two games um before, you know, two games before our previous one, the Brentford game, there's like the shank that led to the corner. Um <clears throat> and he has been like unbelievably good for Conte up until like this last few months period and now it's just becoming like such a worry that I don't really know what has to happen unless we like drop him or something but it's becoming like terminal like he's he's at at this point he's literally costing a goal a game with his form so I don't really know what the solution is other than to you know give him a spell out the team or do we just get him play through this like but it's just at the moment it is literally at a point where it's costing us a goal every single game so it's a real worry to be honest. While we're on centre-backs as well, I mean, Tanganga, come on. I mean, like you said, Dyer probably needs, potentially needs dropping. Um, and Tanganga is not the one. Like, how many times have we seen it now? He he shouldn't be starting games for us. Um, so it was kind of shocking that 
afterwards, Conte, when asked about buying a centre-back, sort of said that we're well-stocked in that department because we desperately need one, don't we? And I'm sure Rosa would agree, but Sanchez should have uh, started, really. Well, this is what I was going to say, guys. It's like, look what happens when you just leave Sanchez on the bench. It's it's just a disaster, isn't it? Um, honestly, I was absolutely shocked again to see Tanganga start. And I've really, you know, I've, I root for him, obviously, but I think it's quite clear that it's not going to happen for him at Tottenham. So I don't really, I don't even know why he's not even out on loan, to be honest. He's not getting any game time. It's just a waste of you know he's obviously talented because you don't make it this far without having talent or application but it's just like you're sort of leaving him in this kind of horrible limbo where you give him enough chances so he thinks oh maybe I'll make it but it's just not going to happen um and I think with Dyer it's almost like like I look at him and I think because he just has these lapses in concentration right that are so horrific you can't believe you're seeing them it's almost like the kind of thing you would expect to see of someone who's sort of at the end of their career where their body can't do what it used to do. So they think they're going to make it to a ball and then they're too slow. Or they can just kind of pull off some pass that they just cannot do anymore. But he's but he's still like 28, right? So no, I, don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you remember, there's, I think it was in like the 92nd minute or something like that, where he's, they've got like the freedom in midfield, it's got the ball, and he puts one into the box and it just like goes so far over for like a goal kick. But I don't know, I don't know if you've seen the video that's doing the rounds on Twitter, if you actually watch that chance back, like the, the frustration on Kane and Son at that moment is like palpable, like they're so angry. And I don't know, like you could, you could tell that at that moment he's obviously willing, like he wants to put the ball in, wants to get the assist to, to make up for the mistake, but it's just not happening. Like it's not happening at the moment. And if we stick by him and it keeps happening, it keeps going on like this, like what, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? If, what are we doing? How, are we going to keep seeing these errors just pass them by and pass them by just because it's Eric Dyer and he's a great guy. He's you know a leader for our team. Um, he's been very loyal to our team. He's been, you know, every single manager that's ever had him loves him. But when when is it going to get to a point where you know enough is enough of this now? Because it's it's really costing us dearly at the moment. While we're on centre backs, just a really quick word for Clement Longley because um, I mean he looked good, especially second half. I mean everyone looked miles better second half. But he his assist for Kane's header was brilliant. I thought lovely, uh, lovely sort of weighted weighted cross and. You know, his passing is pretty slick and smart. I thought he was generally pretty good. And also, Doh- while we're on the defence, Doherty as well, second half, had a really good half and suddenly looked like a world beater. Was Longley, I think he was, right? Longley was, he also put it, the chance that Kane hit the bar, I think that was Longley as well, wasn't it? I think, I'm pretty sure that was a Longley cross as well. Um, like That would have been like two insane crosses. Like He's obviously a very t- talented player. What I did love about that game was... Like in the last few seconds, Longley like literally got his head cut open, and the Brentford players like having a go at him for time wasting. But there's literally blood pouring down from his skull. He's not exactly going to be, wa- especially when we're on top of the game as well. That really pissed me off, man. I, fuck, I, fuck those Brentford players. Yeah, I thought that was so bizarre. They came, they were right up in his face having a go at him, and it's like, mate, there's blood dripping from his head. You know what the rules are, and one of your players has just elbowed him to cause that. Yeah, do we want to talk about like weird decisions and referee errors at all? I mean, Mate, Ben that, Mee's that got penalty. four for it, hasn't what? he? Isn't that what Ben Mee all that? over? That mm-hmm. pen, that that like Kane is essentially rugby tackled down. Like, yeah, um, what is going on? It's a clear as a clear a penalty as you're ever going to see. Um, and then obviously they go and score like thirty seconds later or whatever it was. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. I mean, a part of me is glad that, like, obviously I'm not glad we didn't get a penalty that we should have got, but at the same time, like, I'm glad I didn't have to, like, watch Kane take a penalty and kind of live that stress at all. Um, You know, I just, fuck it, man. Like, I've said it, like, we all know VAR is just, like, it's pointless, like, just bin it. It's it's done. It has been a failure, and let's just just move on from it. I mean, obviously... That is never going to happen. Going back to Longley because I just haven't had really a chance to talk about him. That almost could that could that was going to be like a perfect day for me because like a Longley assist, possibly two. If Dav had scored, 
He nearly just was that amazing volley, shot? That mental volley, massive that. <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> yeah, but well, when Dove nearly scored, it reminded me of, um, or when he came on, all I could think about was what it was Watford, wasn't it? Yeah. Last season on New Year's Day. Yeah. Um, when he got the very he got last the winner. winner. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he did the most like low key celebration you've ever seen. <laughs> Which I think he just like thumped his chest once and like walked off. So cool, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, we can't wait to have Christian Romero back, can we? Yes. And and I think right, what I'm, I've been thinking a lot about this the last couple of days. I've you know, and our WhatsApp group, I've been quite down to be honest. Like it's, it's been one of the lowest points for me. I just kind of think it's like yeah, it's perfect, been quite unusual for you actually. Per- perfect storm at the moment where everyone that is our rival won. Every yeah. single one of our rivals won. Um, Chelsea, Liverpool are buying players left right Liverpool somehow bought a player today Gakpo and then Wenda's not even open so I don't even know what's going on there and like our rivals are being linked with obviously Arsenal being top of the league it's all like coming down hard on us at the moment at the same time but mm-hmm. then I just realised like we don't we haven't had a game where Kulisevsky Romero Benton have all played together for ages it's been like they've all been injured at various points and like Kulisevsky had the injury Romero was injured just before the World Cup like we well, I, I do the back of my mind now is saying like, like, let's get those guys back. Let's get to the football that we were playing at the end of last season, um, and just hope that it goes up from there. Because like, it's, it's down. We're down bad at the moment. Like, it's, we're in a we're in a low bit, um, and I, I just feel like drawing at Brentford away is not really as bad as I probably was making it out to be over the last couple of days. It's not. We probably had the hardest game of any of our rivals. Um, Brentford away is not an easy place to go and, and get a result. So it feels quite bad at the moment, but I do think it's going to get better. Yeah, I, I love this, Billy. Realized, you're you're like, just we, you can't that today. be defeated. Yeah, I've only realised that today because I've been depressed. <laughs> I've been depressed. I know you've been, days, this has but... been unusual for you, but I love it. I, just, I knew you would bounce back forget, because I, I, you can't I, be stopped. You know what? I saw that Kudaseski. I saw that. I saw that Kudaseski interview today where he's like, Tottenham are the best club. Couldn't imagine playing for anyone else. It's like, do you know what? We do have one of the best players in the league, Kudaseski. And sometimes that is all you need to be happy. Do you know what? You're right as well. And because you always say this, Bill, we always like football is a simple game and you just need all your best players back playing at the same time and then you win games. I don't, we haven't, I don't, I can't, I, I don't, I don't know the exact, when it exactly was, but there has not been a game where those three players have played together for ages, or at least it feels like that anyway. And it probably won't happen against Villa because, but I don't, doesn't seem to be many signs of Ben to club being back, but Romero is going to be back. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just get those new players back and let's get back to what we were good at. Yeah. And the midfield did improve, didn't it, in the second half? Like, Basuma had a sort of horror show in the first half, but then he was much better, right? Basuma was, like, appalling in that first half, I thought. <laughs> like, so, so bad. And maybe he just needs to play in a three um, and let Bentoncourt be creative, because I thought Basuma was so bad. Second half, he was pretty great. Um, but, yeah, like Billy just touched on, Getting Benson Core back is going to be so important because I think 90% of our podcasts this season have just been us raving about, about Benton Core. Um, so yeah, getting getting him back is massive. And again, yeah, to echo Billy, Brentford were good. It's a hard, it's a hard place to go to. And at the end of the match, I was like, oh, that's a draw that feels like a win. We came back, we could have, we could have nicked it. But yeah, then every other team winning. Has, has kind of knocked my confidence a bit, really. And especially, like, the rise of Newcastle is a, is a big worry. And and just Rashford at United. I know generally United are still in turmoil, but Rashford is going to be brilliant for them this second half of the season. Yeah, I thought there would be a bit more chaos the first games back, to be honest. And I'm quite surprised there wasn't. And it feels a bit like maybe we were a bit cursed with, like, the first kickoff. I don't even, know. Even Chelsea, who've been kind of hilarious recently yeah. and started the day with Brighton above Potter's new side, um, they just got the job done and were, were pretty efficient and sterling and um, uh, what's his chops there, striker, um, looks pretty good. Um, so, yeah, it was annoying that everyone else won. We've just got to get our shit together, though, to be honest, and I think we will. And I'll tell you one thing that did really encouraged me because even though we were 2-0 down and it was so ridiculous and embarrassing and unnecessary and I thought I thought we would come back better in the second half when we were only 1-0 down and then we conceded another but so we didn't really start our comeback until what like 
60, 65 minutes, right? But actually, that's I feel like to be able to turn it around mid-second half is a really positive thing. Maybe I'm just making stuff up to be positive about, but I do really feel like that. So Because it's not even like getting at half-time, Antonio fixes everything, and then we come back. To make another mistake and then come back still feels quite important, I think. And I think like I think the problem with Basuma has is that he's a very naturally talented player. He's like um, spontaneous. Um, he's very good on the ball. And I think like some you know with the, with the whole Conte thing, it's like you're not going to do stuff like that. You're going to do exactly what I tell you to do with the ball. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to pass to this guy at this moment, and you're going to be like an automated robot. I don't think I think sometimes like when he's in a two. He has to think too much and that is what's kind of like setting him back but then in the, the second half when he has a bit more freedom because we're like two goals behind and he can sort of do what he wants a bit more i think that's when he he comes really good but i think one of the things the world cup showed me is that bentonclair is is genuinely one of the best midfielders in the world at the moment and he was yeah. unbel- he was unbelievable at the world cup like i don't know if you've seen that picture of you know one of the stat diagram graph things and uh he's like an outline on his own on the far right of this like progressive midfielders and like he is genuinely one of the best midfielders in the world and I, I just can't wait to have him back because again you know we can be doom and gloom about drawing to Brentford as much as we want but we didn't have Benton and we didn't have Romero and I think when they come back hopefully um, we'll see a bit of an improvement there but just hurry up and come back please because you're fucking brilliant when is he due back actually I think I think it's close it's close-ish yeah, yeah. And they said like three weeks three weeks ago so it's, I, I just haven't seen anything about him being back for Villa though so maybe not I think yeah. hopefully we can just pray that he's back for Arsenal that would be the one yeah. that we that's want him to be very very necessary he misses Villa and Palace okay do it but Arsenal yeah. we, we need him there big time and I think after Brentford Conte said um, that Romero was due back the day Villa, yeah he specific, and he specifically said for Villa as well so that's good yeah. so again, we need him yeah, we will we will come back together again and I think we've actually been like relatively lucky with the, with the World Cup. I thought, you know, we would have loads more injuries and knackered players, but it actually seems to have been all right so far. So, yes, come back all our best players and then we'll be fine, basically, right? And I guess what we're all terrified of as always as always we're conditioned to is Kane being injured and he's not, so us we'll take that we'll take some exactly victory. he's heartbroken but he doesn't seem yeah. to be like emotionally wrecked so. he's broken but not literal in the literal sense yeah exactly all right so that's 2022 done with i guess so we move into the new year we have got aston villa at the lane on new year's day i am not going but i want to see lots of cane love as we've already discussed are we gonna have to face Argentina's goalkeeper hero. That's my big worry. I think I do. Think, I think he's back. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. he is back. But I don't want I him to be a responsible one. Like yeah. he doesn't seem like a responsible guy, judging hope, by everything that happened. Hopefully, like Romero. Did you see that video of the World Cup of um, Romero like kicking him to celebrate an amazing save? <laughs> hopefully, he'll just like do that again, just like injure him, <laughs> just because they're mates. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be back, and I guess he'll get. A pretty amazing. Well, he'll get an amazing reception from the Villa fans. Um, I watched Villa's game against Liverpool the other day, um, and Villa were pretty good. You know, yeah, they had a few chances, didn't they? Like they, they were pretty good. They, yeah, they had some good chances. Their finishing wasn't great, although Watkins I thought was good, and he scored. And the scoreline, I think three-one, it ended, didn't it? It kind of flattered um, Liverpool. But what I would say is, in like defensively, they were pretty shaky. Martinez coming back will improve that. Um, so it could be another, a sort of ridiculous four three or something, something like that. Because we're terrible at the back, and so are they. And yeah, Watkins especially looked pretty good and could be a bit of a worry. I mean, we will presumably be a bit more solid because we'll have Romero back. So are we are we thinking that we will line up? Actually, what is what will the lineup be? What will the defense be? Do you feel I like think, Dyer will stay in, in defense? And then will I it think be? It, yeah, I think I think he'll play the exact same team, just Romero for uh, Tanganga. To be honest, I um, really you don't think GB comes back. I don't think so. I think you, I think he'll stick. I think because Longley had a pretty good game. Yeah, I think he, I think he's going to stick with Dyer just because he's going to like he wants to play him out of this run of like mistakes and that, which is fair enough. Um, 
And then, yeah, I, I think, I think so. what well, could be interesting to see is if you see Romero and then Longley centre centre back. Um, if you know if Dyer is going to go on this, um, <clears throat> continue this vein of form, then I would like to maybe see Lock because we don't really have anyone else that can play there. So maybe I'd like to see Dot, um, Romero, Longley, and Davis. But I have a feeling he'll stick yeah. with the same team, but put Romero in instead of Tanganga. Um, I, I think that's what it'll be. It'll be interesting what he does because we've then got Palace away on the fourth, right? On the so Wednesday, whether, I think, yeah. Yeah, whether he just tries to get through these Premier League games with our best 11 and then against Portsmouth can kind of play a second second string team because um, he doesn't seem big on rotation, really, does he? But, I mean, that's, you know, we don't have that much depth, really, do we? Do you know what? Here is a worrying thought to put into the universe is that Harry Kane is um, one yellow card away from his suspension. Um, and obviously we have Villa and then Palace and then Arsenal. So I don't know how you want to play that. Like, do you want to just get just take the yellow against Villa and then miss the Palace game? Do you know what I mean? Because you can't have him miss the Arsenal game for a yellow card. Like, that would just be the worst thing that has ever happened to anyone ever. So, like, that's something to keep an eye on as Kane is one yellow away from his suspension at the moment. God, I really wish I didn't have that information in my head now. Yeah, like already, I feel that? like I've had some sleepless nights <laughs> about Arsenal and about the North London derby, and I just don't, I don't need more angst. Do you know what would be it? great though is if he got booked against Arsenal, celebrating by taking a shirt off, and then he missed the Man City game, which we do not care about at this point. We don't, yeah, because we'll we don't we'll even, need, yeah, one. we don't want it. We don't want. In fact, it, that actually. is what I want to happen: get booked against Arsenal, don't play yeah. against Man City. We just lose and never talk of that game ever again, and pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. I'm down with that. Um, when is, if we're thinking about rotation, when is Richarlison back? Because I think we can't, in thinking about players that Conte likes to kind of play through the pain, um, I don't really feel like we can keep doing the sun experiment for that much longer, right? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's towards the end of January, so quite okay. a while yet. So we'll have to do it for a bit. Okay. And I have to, unless, do you know what was funny about the uh, um Brentford game is that just before we scored, um, Brian Hill was about to come on. So I don't know if you could imagine like Brian Hill getting a couple of games maybe because Son is still the the worrying thing is he's still quite badly out of form. Um, and he didn't score at the World Cup. Um, he did have that amazing assist, which put them through, which was great. But he hasn't—he's not scoring anything like that he was last season. So, don't know. Maybe you might see Brian Hill there if we're going to do something different. Or what could be interesting is Paris there as well, um, yeah, which I think would be probably more be more likely thinking about it. I think Conte said a week ago for three to four weeks for Richarlison. So there does seem like a slim chance he could make Arsenal. You never know. Um, but I think yeah. definitely maybe that, at least if not that, then maybe that Man City game is one that we might look for. But we could, oh, do you know what? It would just be the perfect time right now, wouldn't it, to have Richarlison, Kane and Kudusevsky. But obviously, football gods mean that we don't have it. So that's what it is. Is what it is. Coming off the back of that amazing World Cup that he had, it's just like a shame that we have to be delayed. We, we are going to get it, though. I think that... That feels to me like that's the sort of front three of the future now, doesn't it, really? It's so weird to be talking like this, but it just doesn't... I don't know, football's weird and anything can happen. but And it's mental that this has happened right after he like won the golden boot. But it just doesn't... It doesn't feel like we're getting that sum back, really, does it? I mean, so let's not forget that Leicester game, though. That, like, hat-trick hat off the bench. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's his only league goals. Yeah, but you know, maybe he's just—he's just a super sub now. You know. Yeah, that's all right. To be honest, that's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. And then, so we're not going to have Benton Core. So we're gonna. So it's going to be Hoybier and Basuma, and that should be okay. And our defense will be better. I feel like the atmosphere should be pretty good, right? People should and be free do, up for this. And I do think everyone's going to go right in for Harry Kane at the beginning. Yeah. So that should give the, everyone a bit of a lift. Yeah. Um, and like he's like Kane himself is on a mad run of scoring at the moment. So let's just get... A, do you know what? Do you know what I would just take as not conceding first? Let's just do that with one game. <laughs> Even if we're nil-nil. I'll big. take a nil-nil at this point because that would be 10 games in a row, which is absolutely mad. 
Oh my god, well, we've conceded yeah. first. That's actually be, yeah. yeah we are nine at the moment. Five, I think it's five in the league. Four, nine, four more in all competitions. It's like that is insane. It's mad. Right? Just don't concede first once, please. please. Honestly, how has this happened to us? And I don't even mean this in a sort of way. Like I don't. I'm not like that upset about it. I'm not kind of spiraling about it. It's just as like, it's almost too hilarious to, to be that upset about. Do you know what I mean? But I'm just like, how has this happened? Do you remember the end of like, last how season? How is it possible? When Romero was injured and we played Davison Sanchez, we went on that mad run of like, yeah. with clean sheets. Like, our defence last season was brilliant in the run-in. I think we conceded, we conceded very, very few goals in those last 11, 12 games where we were brilliant. Um, and it's just gone to complete shit. It's gone to absolute shit. So... God knows what is going on down there. The thing about um, to mentioning rotation, the thing is, we really should be thinking, oh, he'll bring Sessignon in or Skip, like Skip. He, but he's just, it seems clear he's gone off some players in quite a major way, right? I think Dan Kilpatrick today was saying that Skip was one of those players that he wants to upgrade. And I think start of the season, Conte was talking about how important Skip was for for the side, but clearly him, Saar, and Tanganga, and probably Sanchez as well. He's just desperate, and and Brian Hill is just desperate to upgrade at this point. But do you know what I think's happened actually, and I feel like, and we should probably get into this in a bit because we do need to talk about Antonio and all of the drama around it again, much as it drives me mad. But I actually think Conte has like accurately assessed the situation in the league. So at the beginning of this season he was like you know what I can do something with these players this is all right and now he's like fuck no look at what is happening at the top of the table look at what is happening with Newcastle Liverpool are going to turn things around Chelsea are a little bit in the mud right now but we'll be fine United are going to sort their shit out actually we've got we've got to do this we've got to take things seriously actually I can't be doing with these players anymore I'd like it's now or never. And I've never, like, I've never been that kind of person. I've never been that kind of fan. I've always been, you know, give players time and I like the players that we have and blah, blah, blah. And I'm all, you know, in my feelings about all of our players, whatever. But even I am now like, like, we can't get left behind. And I and I think he knows, like, he sees that, he knows it. And actually, we've said this before, but if Enoch don't see that, just, it's, like, I'm going to say it for the first time in my life. If they don't see it, Enoch out. There you go, Ash, if you're listening. That was beautiful. Yay, one of us, <laughs> one of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm with but you. I'm not wrong, am I? Am I wrong? I think it's a weird one. Like, Olive, you know, these players, I think, like, as Tottenham fans, we're naturally quite, like, um, we're quite accepting of these players. And, you know, it's a great story. Oliver Skip, Tanganga, um, these players that have come through. Like, you know, Tottenham fans get very... Um, <clears throat> You know, we, we appreciate the people that come through the academy because we don't get that many players that do and come to the front team. But if we're really honest about it, those Tanganga and Skip and people like that, would they be anywhere near um, the likes of, you know, the, the Man City team, the Arsenal team, the teams that we're allegedly competing with? Would the, you know, would a player like Brian Hill be anywhere near the starting eleven of those of those teams? Of course they wouldn't. They wouldn't. So why should they be for Tottenham? Um and I do think like we're still suffering from years and years of bad recruitment and our squad is just not that good. Um, and if we are going to upgrade on these players and let's just do it in January, let's get rid of them. Um, and, you know, Oliver Skip is a tough one because I do I do think there's a player in there somewhere. But at the end of the day, is he ever going to be the sort of, you know, a real midfielder, which is going to be a difference maker for us at the very top level? Probably not. So maybe it's time to stop being sentimental about these players that, you know, we really like. Great characters, they come through the ranks, they're Tottenham to run through. And, you know, if we did swap it for, say, an Amrabat or a Rabio, um, that's a huge upgrade. It's a huge upgrade. And it's horrible to say that about a top player who bleeds Tottenham and is a Tottenham boy. Um, but to be the very, very best, you have to be cutthroat. And that's what Conte does. That's where he's done wherever he's gone. Um, and it's time now. I know we're going to talk about this in a minute, but are we going to back Conte or are we going to go back to square one and start again? Um, and, you know, my answer is obviously you're going to back, you've got to back Conte. But it seems to be at that point now where we need to decide and just go for it either way. Yeah, I agree. And I think... Like, we have to back Conte right now. And if we don't, all, all I can envisage is that we finish sixth and he goes in the summer. 
um because he's so so fed up of Enoch and I'm very much like Rosa I'm not an Enoch out kind of guy um but you know we've got one of the world's best coaches and it's amazing how many Spurs fans <laughs> seem to be seem to not realize that we have one of the world's best managers um who fucking scraped forth for us last season got us to we were in the top 4 at this at this weird world cup break the midpoint of of the season um and yeah totally agree Enoch have to back him and i think what does feed into that is we've been terrible at selling players like and surely at this point players like um Sanchez and Skip uh, and Tanganga and Hill still have some value. Whereas, like, you know, look at Winks, for example. Um, look at the way Delhi Ali left left the club and we got virtually nothing for him. Like, cash in on some of these players while we still can um, because yeah. they're losing value all the time. And I think the the real the worry is that our rivals are not sitting still. Like Liverpool already signed Gakpo. Chelsea look like they're going to sign every single youngster in the whole of Europe at this point. Um, Arsenal are very strongly linked with Jao Felix at the moment and Mudrick today. Um, David Olsen just said before that um, Man City game that they're trying to get both of them. Um, <clears throat> I know Man United seem to be randomly have no money at the moment, which is good for us, good news for us, but we're not going to, you know, Newcastle will obviously spend as well. Like we can't rely on luck to get fourth and just hope that we scrape by with the squad because it's just not, it's simply not going to happen. Like all of our rivals are strengthening and are going to keep strengthening. So we have to do something. It doesn't have to be like, you don't have to throw 300 million at it in January. Look what happened last January. We just bought two really good signings and it carried us fourth. So <clears throat> that's all we need. Just get a couple of players that Conte really wants. Don't go pissing around giving him players that he doesn't want, which is what we've seen with Jed Spence. Um, and as a result, Jed Spence has never started a Premier League game for us. Um, to say, look, what do you want in January? What positions? Go out and buy some decent players there. Don't have to th- throw hundreds and hundreds of millions. You could just do your Benton, Cronio, Kudosowski type players, and that'll do. But we can't sit still because we're not going to finish fourth if we do. And this is it. And we have to get what we need not who is available. It's not like, oh, I know you wanted this player in this position, but would you accept? Yeah, you know, you're right. Like, would you would you accept a Jed Spence? And it's like, no. And actually, if we don't have that much money, then there's then we also shouldn't be spending money that we don't have on players that that, are, that we don't need and that our manager has no use for. I feel bad for Spence, and I really hope that it does happen for him in the end at Tottenham because I think he is good. But... Obviously, Conte is looking at him right now and just thinking, I can't, like, you're not what I need. I can't rely on you. You're just not good enough yet. And and that's what we need. And I also, I, I can't stand, and I said this to you guys earlier, didn't I? I can't stand the, like, half in, half out situation with, Con- with Enoch and Conte. I'm like, if you hire Conte and you pay him all the money that we're paying him, You've got to back that up. You've got to back it up. Otherwise, it's pointless. Otherwise, we've wasted two years. We've fallen behind. If all you want is a team that sometimes finishes top four, but the rest of the time is Europa, don't waste Antonio Conte's time and actually don't waste our time because if that's all you want, then just honestly just do that and just let us know where we stand and let everybody else kind of make their peace with it and move on. Let, you know, let Kane go to Bayern as well. Like don't don't hold him hostage. I mean, to be honest, if Conte goes in the summer, Kane goes as well. So well, I, I don't know what sort of fantasy they're living yeah. in. That I think one of the one of the things I've seen as well is that um, people are worried about what happens if you give Conte a load of players and then he fucks off next year or the year after. Just like why don't we just worry about the actual moment right now rather than the future? Do you think when Chelsea buy all these players like Tuchel or um, Graham Potter, do you think their fans are like, oh god, what about the next manager after that? They don't care about the next manager; they care about right now. Tottenham, we need to stop worrying about the future and just worry for once. Worry about right now because we've been worried about the future the whole time and all these projects have failed. So <clears throat> why don't we just go for it for once and then we'll worry about what happens after that, after the facts. Let's just go all in on this guy. He's a world-class manager. Um, back him and then we'll worry about what happens after he leaves, after he leaves, not right while he's still here. Yes. Underline, cosine, right, yeah. I'll put like... Period. Let's hire a fucking plane, whatever. <laughs> 
Let's worry about what happens when Conte goes when Conte goes. Let's yeah. back him while he's still here, man. So true. This is it. This is it. It's not like we're we're not going to run out of money, are we? We're like we're making record profits every single season. Mm -hmm. I think this season we've just—it's about to be announced. We've made 165 million commercial revenue, um, which is the same as Man City. Um, So we're not going to run out of money. Like we'll be all right. We'll be absolutely fine. Let's just go and back this guy. Yeah, and we're not we're not going to do a Leeds, guys. It's not. I really hope those words don't come back to haunt me. I'm really sure they won't. It will be fine. Just and also, you know, if this all goes to pieces and we end up, you know, back in that's what loses you money being back in the Europa League, man. It's just because then nobody cares. So what's the point? Um, yeah, I I just feel like I have finally just kind of I'm just sort of done with all of this mucking around. And if we're sort of ready to move on to like the next part of the podcast, unless anyone's got anything left to say about Antonio Conte. I just kind of, I feel like one of the things that really made me just go, I don't, these guys just really need to sort it out was all the fuckery with the women's team because um, we lost four games in a row. Uh, one of which Tom and I went to, did we not Tom? Um, in my notes, it just says, it was fucking freezing cold. I've never been so cold in my life. Oh, my God. As that Sunday against West Ham at Leighton Orient's ground. It was fucking so miserable. And the football like Spurs were pretty terrible. We were right, ne- right next to the, like a sort of annoying amount of West Ham fans because, of course, Leighton Orient is always going to be uh, the, a home game for them as well. There was one woman just singing... Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. And I was like, I'm it's fucking minus four. We were with our uh, five and six-year-olds uh, daughters. And I was like, I don't have the energy for this. And yeah, we were terrible. And then uh, the um, interview with it's Skinner, isn't it? The manager. Mm. Um, afterwards, she just looked like she didn't have a clue how to fix it uh, in the interview I saw. Then we lost to Everton a few days later, right? Also, yeah, on yep. another with like a hundred people showing up on like yeah another sub zero night. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was it. Was quite. Uh. My daughter, do- our daughters had a great time. I think. Um. They enjoyed their sort of hot chocolates and running around like an Orient's ground. Yeah, it's a nice. It's you know, it's a nice sort of. It's it's a nice kind of stadium. Like I, I feel like it was sort of ideal and actually the sort of way our kids are, I wouldn't necessarily want to take them to the men's game now of a sort of full stadium because there's just nowhere to run. Like they had loads of space to run around and kind of enjoy it. But actually it's depressing, man. You don't want to take your kids to see them, you know, to see your team be beaten by your like horrible local rivals who are then, yeah, who then have like weirdly aggressive fans. Like I don't want to be all kind of pearl clutchy about it, but I was like, this doesn't really feel necessary for the women's game. Like a bit weird. Yeah. It was a bit much. Um, um, like not even because it was a women's game, but also just it was too cold for that. For yeah. like who's got the time? Who's got West the energy? Banter. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have the energy at all. But right, so are things looking up? We've made a big signing, right? They're looking up, guys. I'm feeling so, so, so psyched about this. It looks like we're going to sign. We, we're going to get our very own lioness. It looks like we're going to sign Beth England. If this like hilariously falls through now, that'll just be classic Tottenham. But as things stand, it looks like we're going to sign her from Chelsea for like a rec- like a league record transfer fee, which feels like a big deal, like big news, and exactly the kind of stuff we need to be doing because it is a very similar story we've got to get serious we'll lose a whole generation of fans if we don't kind of what's the word I'm looking for I've totally forgotten the word I'm looking for if we don't um anyway whatever if we just have to get moving basically big stuff like the women's league is like attracting loads of fans and we really really need to be one of those teams there's no reason we shouldn't be we're a big club with like a proud history and we should be up there and this sort of weird trying to build slowly doesn't seem to be working I don't really I there were sort of rumors that they were going to relook like look again at the strategy the transfer strategy in this window which seems to be what they're doing and I do 
this just feels like a big sign. And it also just feels kind of classic Tottenham, actually, like really like good vibes Tottenham, where you just go and spend loads of money on a really fun striker who will score loads of goals, hopefully. So just something to get um, like everybody buzzing. Yeah, I I, um, kind of like, I'm not as I'm not as knowledgeable as you guys on the women's side of things, but like I saw that it was like proper making waves on like social media. Like I saw there's a lot of like fans of other clubs were saying like, "Geez, how the hell are Tottenham pulled this off?" Like, it was literally it was the front header of Sky Sports News. Um, it was like making waves on Twitter and stuff. It's like that's buzzing, man. It's good to be the one that are actually doing something like that for once. Um, yeah, it's like proper making waves on the on the internet that that transfer like. Just maybe feel like buzzing for the women's team because obviously it's a, it's a big deal. It's not like a regular transfer. It was the way that people were reacting to it online was like this is a big thing what's going on here. So yeah, fair play to them. It is, and I think so. It should be a marker, and it is. It's great as well because she wasn't super involved in the Euros triumph. I think she'd been injured and then she just kind of fallen out of favour at Chelsea a bit. But she has like a great record and she's only 28. So this isn't like getting some sort of past it striker either. It's properly someone who is still like a really, really big name. And you're right, it's made waves and it does feel like a proper, proper statement. And that's somebody that everyone can get excited about. And it's not like, obviously we all got quite excited when Alex Morgan kind of popped along for six months and then like didn't really play and just kind of used us to get her fitness back and whatever, that's fine. But this feels like someone who's actually going to play and is exactly what we need as well because we're desperate for goals. So, because we lost four games, but we lost four games. We did not score a single goal, which is really I mean, watching that... um... West Ham game, I think Ash Neville only came on in the second second half, didn't she? Um, but it was so obvious we were lacking in firepower and literally anything in the final third, really. Yeah, and then she got she got sent off the next game as well. Straight red, which is really brutal and upsetting. But that's all in the past now. Um, so I just feel like it's gonna this just feels like brilliant, brilliant news. And I'm super excited. And I really hope this isn't the end as well. I hope this is just the start of a new strategy and they're really going to take the women's team seriously now. So fingers crossed, basically. All right. So since we were obviously all, you know, not watching the football, boycotting the World Cup and all of that, you've you've had plenty of time to catch up on all of your Christmas culture, guys. Um Quickly, Tom, the most important things. We've got to quickly discuss the Strictly final, of course. Thoughts, feelings? I'm so happy for Hamza and uh, Javita. Um, me too, me too. Yeah, I'm, they, they were the right winners. And I know some people were pissed off. I think some people were like, well, but he wasn't the best dancer. But it's not It's not about that. It's, a, it's never about one, it's, that. It's a popularity contest. And two, people like to see a journey. And, you know, other... Uh, Fleur, for example, it was brilliant, but was a pop star and has been a pop star for some time or certainly was a pop star, trained trained in dance and stuff. Um, and Hamza's journey was brilliant and like, and he was just seemed like such a lovely, emotional, beautiful guy. Um, Javita was, it was her first year in the competition. So I was so chuffed for them. Gorka and Helen looked fucking furious didn't they he did not take it well did he i think they thought that they were going to kind of come to sort of snatch it at, at the end didn't yeah they? and i think i maybe i haven't read enough about her private life but it, i think people have said she's had quite a tough time in her personal she has life. and that, that there was so i guess that's also like an arc a story arc and i think um as well, I think I read in the papers that Gorka's now going. Uh, so that which is kind of sad because he's oh, very really? brilliant, oh, yeah. brilliant dancer, and it'd be sad that he's going to leave without winning. Um, whereas you know, I think Oti had done the same amount of series. Um, Ali Ash had done the same amount of series, and both of them had won. Um, so I am a bit sad for Gorka, but yeah, they were fucking furious. Whereas Fleur and her partner. Were, looked absolutely over the moon for um, Fleur and Vito, Fleur, never to Fleur, be forgotten. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Fleur and Vito looked over the moon for Hamza and Javita, and I they did because they knew they. Because the thing is, they were like Fleur was obviously the best dancer in the competition, but they knew they weren't going to win. 
because they they know also it is about the journey. And I think the thing with Helen is that she did obviously have this whole thing of she's had a terrible, like her personal life was awful. Like I think literally her husband like left her with a new baby and then like immediately hadn't had a baby with, some, with somebody else. It was really awful. And she had obviously like grown in confidence and that was great. But like you want to see the journey, like I think a lot of that journey kind of took place sort of, outside of the show or like on it takes two which I don't really watch so I'm like you need to be able to see the journey like on Strictly I think which we all saw with Hamza you could see him go from like oh who's this guy to actually oh my god he can dance yeah he's had no training and he can really dance shit and he brought some of his personality yeah to the experience and you know as corny as it sounds potentially educated people about his background and his beliefs and uh, yeah. the way he's sort of in touch with nature and stuff but it's that thing of like every time the strictly lineups announced everyone goes who who are half these people and hamza was maybe the least well known out of the lot of them uh and certainly the least well known of of the final four um so yeah it was it was lovely i'm, I'm i was so chuffed for him this is it. He was a worthy winner. I'm really glad. And I will now also always have Fleur and Vito's Samba to like cherish in my heart forever. And their Argentine tango because those were glorious dances and I feel blessed to have witnessed them. So everyone's a winner, really, I think. What else have you been consuming, Tom? Uh, I watched. So, yeah, I've watched a bit of Christmas TV, I suppose, some Christmas specials. Um Away, actually, first away from Christmas, I watched Swimmers on Netflix, which is sport related about the um, uh, two Syrian swimmers who uh, escaped Syria, um, literally swam to Lesbos in uh, in Greece, and then um, one of them swam at the Olympics. And it's a beautiful story that says so much about refugees and the way the West abandoned Syria uh it's yeah really great film that's on netflix and then christmas specials um gone fishing with uh paul whitehouse spurs fan and bob mortimer was was a lovely hour in norway made me want to move to norway and then motherland the motherland christmas special you know i think something when you start a christmas special you're thinking this is kind of a throwaway episode that you know they chuck in some christmas cliches and, you know, it's probably the last thing they recorded when they recorded this year's series or whatever. And actually, I think I've, I love Motherland. and Sharon Horgan's had a brilliant year with Bad Sisters as well on um, Apple TV. But I think that might be the best ever episode of, of Motherland. Um, it was really funny. Joanna Lumley was great. There were some brilliant lines. Um, Anna Maxwell Martin was just stunning. And there was like genuine drama and despite the fact that it was hilarious you really felt for her character and it was really emotional um so if you haven't watched the motherland christmas special that's on iplayer it's so good and i watch it if i haven't really bothered with the show since the first couple of episodes yeah you could kind that like it's a standalone episode okay cool. recognize most of the characters um and maybe it'll make you go back to the other series but that episode was so good you watched it as well bill right yeah, man, I thought it was well good. Um, also quite like quite sad to be honest. Like, yeah, it was good. So it's definitely definitely one of the better Christmas specials that I've seen for a while. It's kind of like it's not really a thing these much as much these days, is it? Like you just get Mrs. Brown's boys doing it endlessly. But yeah, that was a really good, really good episode. What else have you been doing, Bill? Right. So um I've watched a lot of films in December. Um I'm just going to speak this into existence now so that we have to do it. It's our end of year podcast where we're yes. going to talk about all the best things of 2022. Um, so I'll talk more about them in, in that, hopefully. But I have watched three really good ones in December, which will definitely be well up there, which are um, <clears throat> Triangle of Sadness, which is a, a absolutely batshit mental film. Um, Glass Onion, which is the second Knives Out, which is on Netflix, which I thought was as good as the first one, which I really, really liked as well. Um, but the main one I want to recommend is The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which is um, Colin Farrell, uh, Martin McDonough film, um, same cast as In Bruges, um, same director, everything. Um, and that is definitely well, well up there in my list of best films of the year. It's like 
really really funny but also really really sad um and it's just a proper good film and that's on disney plus but my whole christmas has been taken over by white lois which i watched the first series of white lois and then kind of like gave up halfway through not because it wasn't good or anything it was brilliant but just one of those ones i ran out of time for and then we just went back to it and like just got hooked on the series one straight away finished series one in like a day and then like started season two which i think is probably better than the first series actually i don't know if you agree with that tom i say i really really like season two um yeah i just finished it yesterday finished it yesterday and fuck me it is so good and the ending was amazing um i think the finale was the best episode so yeah um definitely well up there again one of the best things that i've seen this year white lotus season two um but it's just like the amount of amazing characters in that show in both series is amazing so um yeah white lotus has definitely took over my christmas this year yeah i still haven't watched any of it but i feel like this season was the one where it just kind of went like stratospheric right where just everyone was talking about it and i've and i've actually had to mute it on social media which i never expected to do and i'm like just I, just because i am going to watch it and i can't hear anything about it um, I also feel like I'm going to be like the last member of this pod to have watched because I haven't yet seen the Banshees of, what is it, Inisharan? Uh, Inisharan, yeah, yeah. Inisharan, Which is a, yeah. is a made up place anyway, who cares? Sure. <laughs> who cares, I say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll like it, um, though. It's very melancholy, like, so kind of strapping because it's quite sad. It's just people people drinking in a pub. Like, what more do you want from yeah. a film? I'm that, well up for it. And also, I feel obliged to like mention that. If you're a Tottenham fan and you have not seen In Bruges, yes. like it's just required viewing because there right. is just one moment where we are mentioned and it's the most accurate description of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club that you will ever come across in your whole life. So just do that. Um, I, I'm i quite intrigued to hear you say that um, Glass Onion is as good as the first Knives Out because I, yeah, I, yeah, I love Knives Out so much. It's definitely more leans into the comedy rather than the mystery type thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and when you see it, you'll realise why it's particularly relevant as of right this second. But yeah, oh, it's, okay. really good. it's very, very now, put it that way. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll have to get onto it. I only have one thing. Um, I took the kids to see the film version of Matilda the Musical a few days ago, just before Christmas. And they loved it, man. Like, my five-year-old, she's nearly six, like, doesn't sit still, literally, ever. I don't really know how she gets through her school days. Um, And she was just, like, proper, proper gripped the whole way through. It's two hours, so that's quite a long time. And my three-year-old, I'm sure like a lot of it went over her head, but she was just also just like watching it just and has and has also been singing all of the songs since we basically came out of the cinema. Um, it's brilliant, isn't it? Like I had just, we went to see it because we just recently read Matilda with our eldest. Um, so there's loads of stuff like, it's actually... I feel like the sort of relationship between Matilda and Miss Honey isn't really there in the musical in the same way it is in the books. I'm not like a kind of, oh, the book's better than the film person. But I just, that was missing for me. But it is like a proper joyous show, isn't it? Like the songs are great. The kid who plays Matilda's great. I love Lashana Lynch, who plays Miss Honey. Like the whole vibe is just glorious, really. And I was just mostly thrilled that my kids really, really loved it. So... Like, even though it seems kind of, I don't know, I'm sure the audience is like slightly older, but it just is definitely like a perfect Christmas outing, I think. But yeah, you take, I mean, you've, you've seen, you've actually seen the stage, stage show. Yeah, like, so like, um, <laughs> I'm a year six teacher. So every single year when the kids finish their sets, we always take them to go see Matilda. Um, so go there with 90 kids. I've, done, I've gone there with 90 kids every single year for like the last six years, I've seen it six years in a row. And like every time it's like, I'm not a musical guy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's fucking amazing. Like Tim mentioned, man, some of the lyrics in those songs are like, in, like they're not. It's not just like great songs, but like the lyrics are insanely clever as well. I love, you know, I'm really into like the, the wordplay and some of the of the lyrics and stuff, man. But that, you know, it's quite special to me, obviously, because we also teach the kids the songs and for like the leaders assembly and stuff. Um, when I grew up, is always like an absolute guaranteed to make the parents cry in school like when they sing that in the leave assembly it's classic um so yeah it's quite special to me because I, I see it every single year with my class um i haven't seen the film yet but i i would highly recommend the stage show and i'm the the furthest away from a musicals person as you can imagine so yeah that's it's got to be good hopefully 
I haven't seen the stage show. I'm going to go see the musical in the next couple of weeks, um, the film. But uh, my daughter did like a drama camp for a week and learned those to the revolting children song. And when I grow up, and like like you said, Tim Minchin's wordplay in those songs yeah. is just that alphabet song, man. The, the lyrics in that alphabet song are insane. It's like wow, that is it like when you realise that it's doing the alphabet, it blows you away. Like it's insane. So good. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And tomorrow, I'm going to see the Hey Dougie live show. So next podcast, I'll report back on the the Hey Dougie live show. Amazing. I took the kids to um, the Royal Festival Hall just before Christmas, and we were just to kind of run around in that indoor space and go crazy because it's really great. Um, if you live in London and you have small children and it's like a wet day, just go to the Festival Hall and there's loads of space for them to run around. Pro tip. Um, but they obviously had all of the merch for the Hey Dougie live show. And I just like, there's like half an hour I was just going, no, no. No, it's nearly Christmas. I'm not buying you stuff, guys. But I'm excited to hear how that one goes down. Guys, that was a proper delight. So lovely to chat to you both again. Um, hopefully, everything's going to be fine from here on out. I will see you guys next week on the other side of Tottenham Hotspur 5, Aston Villa 4. Billy, will you see us out? Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and up the Spurs. <laughs> <laughs>